Hello and welcome to the Stable Reports podcast. Stable Report is a new site dedicated to curating the best resources related to stablecoin projects. We celebrate the development of stablecoins and see them as a stepping stone to mainstream adoption of cryptocurrencies for daily use in transactions. If you'd like to get acquainted with what stablecoins are, visit our website or follow us on Twitter at Stable Report. And let us know what you think. As always, if you see we're missing something, please let us know. Without further ado, I am glad to introduce Kain Warwick, founder of Haven, a fee-based crypto-collateralized stablecoin built on Ethereum that recently completed their ICO hardcap of 30 million in less than 90 minutes, making it the largest Australian cryptocurrency project. Kane, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so I have to start with this question. What got you into crypto and what inspired you to create a stablecoin? Uh, I've been following crypto for a long time, uh, including, uh, you know, in the early days when uh, Bitcoin uh, was mentioned on Slashdot, the, uh, the uh, you know, forum, uh, the internet forum that was going for a long time uh, since like the late 90s. Uh, and then uh, I, I got sort of deeper into crypto uh, in 2014 and 2015 when I started BlueShift. Um, and BlueShift is an over-the-counter uh, payment gateway. So we process... Uh, probably, you know, uh, five or $10 million worth of uh, cryptocurrency transactions a month uh, for a bunch of the large exchanges in Australia and uh, some of the inter- international exchanges as well. So uh, that kind of got me really, you know, deeply into crypto and understanding some of the friction around, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, money into and out of uh, the ecosystem. And in late 2016, as, you know, the market was starting to, to kind of get excited and, and more opportunities were popping up, I just realized there was still a gap uh, in the market. You know, Maker was probably the only ones that were pursuing a decentralized stablecoin. Obviously, Tether was starting to get a lot of prominence, but, uh, you know, I had a view that there were some issues with the model, obviously. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I saw the opportunity and, and jumped in. That's a really great experience. So you have experience with digital payment. And also your CTO, Justin, serves as the Director of Engineering at MongoDB, is that right? Uh, yeah, but he's, uh, as of, the, I think, uh, another couple of months, he's going to be uh, transitioning out. So at the moment, he's just sort of wrapping some stuff up at Mongo, and we're going to set up an office in Brooklyn, uh, which he and Jordan, uh, our VP of Partnerships, will be running. So it's pretty exciting. That's great. That's great to hear. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Haven's dual token system. You have the Haven token and the Nomin token, which initially were backed by Ether, but since mid-June are already backed by Haven. Could you explain the difference and utility of each token? Of course. So the the Haven token is the collateral token. It's sort of a participatory right uh, to to essentially stake uh, collateral and uh, issue the stablecoin into the network. Um, so what you're doing is, as a Haven collateral uh, token holder, you're essentially providing confidence to people transacting within the network. And the people who are transacting in the network transact not in the Haven token, but in the NUSD token, uh, which tracks the US dollar. And so what the Haven holders are doing is essentially providing a service to people who are participating in the network. And the people who are transacting in NUSD pay fees. Uh, and those fees are paid to the uh, Haven holders. So the idea is that a small fee is taken from every transaction, sent into a pool, and the Haven holders who uh, issued and uh, stabilized the network can collect those fees. 
Where did you get this idea from originally? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, I was actually uh, sitting in my house on a Saturday afternoon uh, reading about crypto, as, as you do. And uh, I'd had a number of different uh, approaches that I'd been trying to take. And I had this idea in my head of like a distributed collateral pool in bank accounts, right? Trying to like work out a way, a game theater, theoretic way of uh, getting people to put money up in, in their personal bank accounts, but without uh, having the risk that they would run away with the money. And I kept thinking through all these different ways, different approaches. And then I was just sitting there and it just kind of popped in my head. Actually, what you really need is a, a crypto collateral. And uh, what no one had really proposed at that time was charging fees. And so I had this idea that if you could charge fees for people uh, transacting in the network, that you could actually use those fees as the collateral pool. Uh, and that would create uh, this dual token system. So it was kind of one of those light bulb moments where I was just sitting around and, and reading and just popped into my head. So. Uh, lucky, lucky, uh, lucky thought, I guess. Yeah, struggle, struggle of insight. Um, yeah, exactly. So for Haven to succeed as a decentralized payment network, you have this distributed collateral pool where Haven token holders are incentivized to buy and lock them in a smart contract with the expectation to get transaction fees in return. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, exactly. Um Currently, you have a dashboard on your website for people to look at all of the available data, which is amazing for transparency. But I noticed that only $17 have been generated from fees. Is that because it's still in experimental mode? Yeah, so that was actually the dashboard for EUSD, okay. uh, which was our test uh, transaction uh, system. So about two and a half weeks ago, we launched NUSD, which is the uh, sort of full system. So we never actually... Uh, We never put EUSD onto exchanges uh, because it was only going to be operational for a few months. But uh, we're expecting later this week that NUSD will be listed on two major exchanges. Uh, and that will then allow people to uh, essentially access it and transact in it. Right. Cool. So, so obviously, if you, the, the more, the more uh, Haven tokens that one, that one locks up in a smart contract, the higher the fees. Is there a... Correct. How would you explain in layman terms um, what is the commission, the fees that are charged, and what sort of is the commission that you get per each dollar in a way, in basis points? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's somewhat hard to determine because it is going to depend on the transaction volume. Uh, but the way that we usually think about it is uh, if you issue NUSD into the network uh, and you maintain the right collateralization ratio, uh, the fees that are charged are about 15 basis points. So... Um, you know, it's uh, it's a small fee compared to like a Visa, Mastercard, or PayPal, American Express, etc. Uh, but uh, the idea is that the the collateral that you've locked up can support a lot of transaction volume. Um, so we expect that the transaction volume, like with Tether, like with a lot of cryptocurrencies, to be fairly high velocity. Um, which means that even though you might only lock up, you know, four or five thousand uh, dollars, you could see that. Uh, turnover, uh, the velocity might you know be uh, one or two uh, turns per day, potentially, um, especially with trading, because crypto trading tends to be pretty high velocity. So the, the initial view, I suppose, is that in the early days, because a lot of the uh, utility will come from uh, transacting within exchanges, decentralized exchanges, moving money between exchanges, that the velocity will be much higher than a standard payment network. Um, and so we expect the fee, the, the sort of reward, the fee reward to be uh, quite a bit higher. But the more interesting thing, I think, is that because this is a market-driven system, 
it will be somewhat dependent on what people believe the ratio should be. Um, so if, for example, you've locked up $100 and you're getting, say, a uh, dollar or $2 of fees per day, uh, then, you know, that's a one or two percent uh, fee reward per day. Right. So, you know, that's a, a very high return. Ideally, what that should do is mean that more people want to participate and they should therefore want to buy Haven tokens so that they can participate in the network, which should drive the price up. And so the expectation is that whatever the fee yield is, whatever the fee reward is, that there'll be some equilibrium that will be reached within the network, but that will be completely market-driven. Fascinating. Fascinating. How's your board of advisors? Do you have uh, various professors from which, from which fields are you trying to, to get advisors to, to work on this model? Yeah, so our, our advisory board actually was quite interesting. Uh, initially, we had... Um, Uh, quite a few people from the sort of Australian business community um, across various areas, banking, uh, foreign exchange, lending, etc. Um, and then obviously, as we, uh, I guess, gained more prominence in the crypto community, we were able to attract uh, more cryptocurrency uh, and, and crypto advisors. Uh, so we've kind of built up a, a pretty diverse board over the last uh, six to 12 months. Um, which is good because, you know, as we get more uh, exposure into, I suppose, the, the real world, um, those uh, traditional advisors, yeah, thank you. Um, those traditional advisors, uh, you know, in, in uh, the Australian sort of business community become very valuable for us. Fascinating. So why are Nomins initially only issued by the Haven Foundation? The reason why is because we uh, have a number of uh, mechanisms that haven't yet been enabled. Um, in order for us to stabilize the network. And so we want to ensure that we've had a chance for only the foundation to be putting collateral at risk uh, before we open up issuance to everyone. But we're starting uh, a whitelisting process and we're going to be opening that up uh, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks. So when you say whitelisting, it's not that every Haven token holder can mint. There needs to be a process. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So there will be open issuance for anyone to, to whitelist, which will happen uh, probably in the next uh, two or three months. Um, but in the short term, uh, it will be a whitelisting process. So um, some of the, the market makers and various other people that are uh, testing the network will be uh, opened up. Right. Um, to prevent wild volatility, an automatic 80% uh, escrow of Haven buffer is built into the system to avoid a scenario where a haven is rapidly sold off. But hypothetically speaking, does the possibility of someone doing this keep you up at night, kind? <laughs> I mean, it's crypto, right? So, uh, so you know, it, it is quite volatile. I think the idea is that it would need to be a very rapid uh, drop in price uh, for uh, all of the stability mechanisms that we built in to uh, fail, to respond. So the idea is that even if it's a sharp drop in price over the course of you know a day, uh, there's there's a number of different mechanisms that are built in to ensure that uh, the haven holders are essentially uh, rewarded for stabilizing the network. But I mean, at a fundamental level, we have an expectation that because you have uh, fees that are being generated and you can look at what the value of those fees will be, uh, there should be a sort of intrinsic price floor that the the, the price won't fall below. And so between that and a few other things, you know, we have an expectation that, uh, that the network will be able to recalibrate even if the price of Havens drops significantly and that Haven holders will reduce the circulating currency to ensure that the collateralization ratio doesn't uh, 
doesn't drop below that that eighty percent ratio. Which is which is kind of like your advantage over MakerDAO, right? MakerDAO is much more. Yeah, I guess the challenge that Maker has is that because there's no correlation between die stability and the price of ETH, if ETH drops, nothing that they do will sort of change that, right? It'll just drop. Whereas we have mechanisms that are built in so that if the price of Haven starts to drop, we can actually pull back the, the number of uh, um, NUSD that have been issued. They obviously can do similar things, but the, the fact that there's a feedback loop between NUSD and Havens uh, should allow that to, I guess, be more responsive. Ideally, that's the that's the intent to lead. Right. Um, what are your main target markets? Can you talk about some partnerships in the pipeline? Yeah, I mean, you know, what we're building is essentially programmable money, right? Um, you know, it's a it's a universal payment network. So essentially, any use case which uh, requires payments, uh, it's going to be supported. But some of the people that we're working with that we're really excited about. Um, one example uh, that we just partnered with is Groundhog, um, and they're a recurring payments platform, which I actually think is a, a really strong use case for crypto because uh, with recurring payments, a lot of those payments tend to be international payments, um, and people who are paying via credit card um, for services overseas will end up paying quite high uh, transaction fees. Um, you know, for the, the conversion between, say, USD and Australian dollars, for example. Um, and it's kind of one of those invisible uh, charges that you just don't really notice, uh, but it is there. And so I think a, a crypto uh, SaaS payment platform that allows people to have recurring payments in crypto, uh, particularly one that's supported by a stablecoin, could reduce those fees significantly. And, you know, businesses and uh, the merchants that are that are processing those transactions are quite price sensitive. So I think it's a market that, uh, will be somewhat easier than, say, end consumers, which, uh, you know, requires behavioral change and, and that can be quite challenging. Are you also exploring remittance payments for the developing nations? We are. Um, I mean, it's definitely a use case and, and obviously BlueShift being a, a network that has uh, over-the-counter you know, cash transactions on ramps and off-ramps. Um, that's something that, you know, we sort of see as a, a pretty strong use case, but I think it's something that's going to take a bit of time uh, for it to develop, um, you know, you need those very strong network effects need to be in place there. Right. I wanted to ask if you if you are developing banking relationships so that there could be an, an on-off banking uh, with uh, with nominees. Yeah, I think again that's something that's kind of on the outer edges of the use case. The the sort of more immediate use cases are going to be more crypto specific, mm -hmm. um, supporting crypto flat platforms, etc. Uh, you know, banking relationships even in places like Australia. Uh, have been somewhat fraught between crypto businesses and, and traditional banks. Um, so I think it is going to take time for uh, banks to identify this as an opportunity and to start to actually build those relationships. But that's pretty far out on our roadmap, to be honest. Um, Haven is already accepted in nine exchanges, uh, last I checked. How has been the process of being listed? And when can we expect to buy nomins directly from exchanges as well? Yeah, I mean, the process has been quite good. I, I think as a stablecoin uh, project, you know, we're very interesting to exchanges um, and, and they tend to be pretty open. They understand the tech, they understand what we're trying to do. Um, and, you know, we find that most exchanges are fairly thoughtful about uh, the comparison between us and DAI and Tether and various other solutions. Um, so I think that's actually an advantage we have as a, pro uh, as a project, working with exchanges being a, a tool that exchanges are interested in using. 
Um, in terms of uh, NUSD, as I said, uh, kind of at the beginning of the call, we've got two major exchanges uh, that we're expecting to go live with, hopefully in the next few days, um, you know, maybe even by the end of the week, ideally. Um, so that's obviously very exciting because that will just open up uh, NUSD to, you know, being a lot more accessible for people. Absolutely. Um, when when do you expect to have additional pegs, additional nomin? So nomin USD, do you already have? Are you expected to have nomin Euro, nomin Australian dollar? Uh, when can we yeah. expect to have all of these other pegs? Uh, it's it's something that still requires a little bit of research. Uh, so it's something we're still working on the solution for. We have a number of different ideas about how we can approach that problem. But my expectation is that we will probably start to test it towards the end of the year, uh, depending on how that research and development goes. Uh, you know, we might have a, a fully functioning, uh, you know, different flavor of, uh, of Nomen uh, by the end of the year. Um, but uh, it's most likely that, you know, we'll be just starting to test that technology towards the end of the year and starting to release other flavors. Um, Kane, one last question. Um, if you look at the current state of, of stablecoins, there's around 30 projects at the moment, out of which most of them are centralized collateral. And crypto collateral, there's around five projects, including Haven and MakerDAO. Where do you see um, the, the stablecoin space going over the coming year? I think it's somewhat similar to uh, you know, centralized versus decentralized exchanges. Uh, I think everyone, including the centralized exchanges, understand that you know, I mean, even Binance is obviously testing out uh, DEXs. Um, you know, you've got Coinbase talking about DEXs. So I think even the centralized exchanges understand that centralization is something that we should be moving away from. Um, but, you know, there's also pragmatism, right? We need working solutions as well. So if we all tried to trade on DEXs right now, it just wouldn't even be possible. So uh, I think the, the centralized uh, fiat or gold-backed or whatever uh, solutions are, are you know pragmatic. The challenge I think that I, I see for all of those projects is that most of them seem to believe that the problem with Tether is an issue of transparency. And if they're able to just be more transparent than Tether, that they'll be able to take on Tether. And I think that that's actually kind of missing the point of, of what Tether has done. Um, so I think like the, the DEXs uh, that are trying to take on the, the centralized exchanges, the, the decentralized stable coins are where we need to go. It's just a question of how fast we can sort of, uh, you know, get up to that level of scalability. I mean, Tether just crossed three billion in circulating currency. Uh, Maker just crossed fifty. We've got about a million. So there's a long way to go for us to to reel in Tether. Um, but I think time is on our side. Uh, you know, eventually the decentralized stablecoins will catch up, and it's there's no question it's a better technology. Uh, so you know, once we get to that point, then that will be the, the ultimate uh, sort of. Um, solution that I think people will will be willing to use, and then obviously behind that you've then got algorithmic solutions, which you know maybe even further away, but you know uh, could ultimately be uh, an even more efficient technology, assuming that you know some of the the challenges that they're facing can be solved. Um, is your team also decentralized? How how is your team distributed? Uh, at the moment, uh, everyone's in uh, Sydney except for Justin. Um, and Justin is, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, getting close to being able to transition full time onto the project. Um, and so we're going to have a Brooklyn office set up uh, probably over the next six weeks.
Um, and so that, that means we'll have a Sydney office and a Brooklyn office. Um, we might also uh, have a, a community manager in Singapore because we've got um, some pretty strong connections there. Uh, so, you know, we'll end up probably with three or four different people, uh, you know, in different cities around the world. But, you know, the two main offices will be Brooklyn and Sydney. Awesome. Awesome. Any other news or milestones from Haven that you'd like to inform our listeners that we may have missed? <laughs> well, I've, I've hinted at it a couple of times, but uh, look out over the next few days for uh, NUSD to be listed on a couple of exchanges. That's, that's what we're all sort of excited for and waiting for. So uh, just keep uh, checking Twitter. You'll see it soon. Great. Great. Kane, this was a fascinating conversation. Thank you very much for your time and wishing you success in this project. And remember, if you're interested in learning more about Haven, check out their website at haven, that's haven with two v's, that io, or follow them on Twitter at haven underscore io.